at the risk of stating the obvious, which is probably a habit of mine, but <laughs> just ask the people I live with, right? We are living in a challenging time, right? With lots of polarization and plenty of uncertainty. And these days it is quite easy and perhaps even natural to find oneself feeling at least at times anxious or afraid, right? And so what is needed is to be able to hold the complexity of this time that we're living in, to be grounded enough that you can be present to this life and this day that you've been given in a world that seems to want to keep pulling us into either this or that, into polarized ways of thinking and acting, the invitation is to see things more as both and rather than either or. I was talking to a community leader this week and she used an expression I hadn't heard in a long time and she said, we need more people playing between the 40 yard lines. And this is something that we are doing pretty well here, I believe. And I'm so grateful for what you all are bringing to this congregation and to our world in these days and for the open-hearted and courageous ways that you are showing up for life. You're doing well. I hope it feels like that. This feels like a threshold time, doesn't it? And I am cautiously hopeful about what lies ahead. But who knows? Right? Who knows? I've found this month's worship theme to be helpful, and I hope you have too. The way of acceptance invite, invites us to see things and live into things as they are, to embrace the reality of our lives. As Tori preached so beautifully last Sunday, to make a practice of taking a long and loving look at what is real. Isn't that what's needed these days? I guess that was two weeks ago. I preached last Sunday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> two weeks ago. Taking a long and loving look at what is, is real rather than escaping into daydreams or wishful thinking to be in touch with reality that is both in us and around us. We just sang a hymn about giving thanks and praise for all that is our life. But this isn't easy. It's one thing to be happy for, it's one thing to be thankful for the happy times, for one's successes and triumphs, right? But did you notice the words in the third verse? For sorrow we must bear, for failures, pain, and loss, 
For each new thing we learn for fearful hours that pass, we come with praise and thanks for all that is our life. It does take some spiritual maturity to be thankful for your failures and your pain and your loss. I'm still working on that, and maybe you are too. And the invitation before us and around us is to be open to what is, to all of life as best we can. And this is what the way of acceptance is about. It's simple, but it's not easy. But I see that it does offer a freer, more abundant life. Because, you know, real life is messy. We ourselves are unfinished and incomplete. What if we saw that as a good thing and as a hopeful thing? What if we saw ourselves as works in progress? Any of you feel like you're done yet? You're all finished, all the rough edges have been sanded off and yeah. What if we saw ourselves with so much potential for good? My hunch is, is when we face what is real, when our eyes are opened as much as they can be, we start to see that things are actually better than we might have feared. Some of us here are reading a book about living in times like these, written by a church consultant named Susan Beaumont. I actually bought that book some years ago it was recommended by a colleague, and it was sitting on my desk, and our daughter, who's smarter than I am, she was home one time, and she saw it, and she laughed at it, and laughed at me. You're reading a book called How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going? But she's young, and she probably thinks she knows where she's going, and maybe she does. She thought it was funny, but this book is about the challenges and opportunities of living in what Susan Beaumont calls a liminal season. That word liminal comes from the Latin, from a word that means threshold, and it describes a time or a place of transition, of in-between. Van Morrison had a great song about this, I'm a dweller on the threshold. Isn't that where we're living these days? on the threshold. Susan Beaumont wrote her book before the pandemic, and she addressed it to church leaders because for a while now, churches have been in this kind of liminal, transitory space. Our culture has changed, and religious institutions are no longer at the center the way they once were. But I'm finding her work to be even more helpful for looking at our lives these days, individually and as a society. Because right now is like liminality on steroids, isn't it? There are times, like these days that we're living in, these years when we find almost all of ourselves, the whole culture, is in a threshold moment together, right? And then there are more individual experiences of being in a liminal space. Maybe you move to a new town, or maybe you find a new partner, 
Or maybe you become a parent for the first time. Or your children grow up and they move away. Or your spouse gets a life-threatening illness. Or your spouse dies. Or you start a new job. Or you decide it's finally time to retire. Over and over again, each of us will find ourselves in the midst of these kinds of big transition times. And when those happen, what do we do? How do we respond? We live in a culture that is based on patriarchy, of men being in charge of this kind of top-down, masculine approach. And it tells us when times are tough to do something. Everybody knows that expression, right? When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I'm sure that works sometimes. But jumping right into action, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do something. That can also preclude other ways of responding, ways that take more time and more reflection to get to. And so in this little book of hers, Susan Beaumont offers a different way. She says a liminal time invites us to make a spiritual shift from striving to surrender. And she says that this is not the way we're taught, but, and it is this spiritual shift. And I wonder how you hear that word surrender. We live in a culture that sees surrender as weakness. You know, waving the white flag. Somebody's won and we have lost. But surrender can also be a sign of spiritual wisdom and strength. I have my own resistance to the idea of surrender. Years ago, a friend of mine gave me a book with the title, Surrender, A Way to Prayer, and I have still not read it. (laughs) I did put it on my desk this week, though. In the last year, I have come to see surrender not as an escape, or a cowardly way out, but rather as a courageous and faithful way through. It's finally started to make some sense to me. Do you remember the parable of the prodigal son? It's pictured in these two windows down at the bottom in the middle, two of the scenes from that story that Jesus told about a man who has two sons, and one of them stays home But the other one heads off, says, I want my inheritance now, and I'm going to head off and seek my fortune and find a new life. And if you remember the story, you remember that things do not go well for the younger son who heads off. He squanders his fortune. He ends up living a destitute life. And one day, a turning point comes when the text, he looks at the mess that he's made of his life. And the text says, he came to his senses. He came to his senses. 
And then he starts to head back home. And all the way back home, he's researching. He's, he's not researching. He's repeating and rehearsing the speech he's going to make to his father. I'm not worthy any longer to be called your son. Let me be a servant in your house. He comes home asking for forgiveness, and to his surprise, he's welcomed by his father with open arms. And Jesus told this story, as well as several others, to say, this is what God's love is like. And I love this story because it reminds me of what I too often forget. That I don't have to do anything to earn or deserve God's love, that it is freely given, that I can't do anything to separate myself from that love. Like in these lines from Psalm 139, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. This is the spiritual shift from striving to surrender. The shift from thinking I can do it all by myself, all on my own, to we are in this together. We need one another. The shift from I'm moving as fast as I can to adopting a more humane pace. The shift from putting your head down and powering through to slowing down, looking up, asking What is called for in this moment? The shift from thinking you are in control to letting go and letting God. Susan Beaumont tells the story of her sister-in-law who was diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's disease, which she says was devastating, of course, for their entire family. Some family members wanted to aggressively fight the disease, to go out and seek new doctors and other opinions to get into arguments over protocols and strive for more positive outcomes. But Susan writes, my brother and sister-in-law chose a different route. They chose the route of surrender and it was beautiful and inspiring. Relatively quickly, they accepted the reality that she had the disease. In many ways, it was actually a relief for them to finally receive a diagnosis because the daily symptoms had become quite alarming. Some might view this as a sign of weakness on their part. It wasn't. Their surrender was an act of incredible bravery. Susan says that her sister-in-law and brother's surrender wasn't passive at all that yielding to the reality of their situation actually empowered them to make decisions while they still could and allowed them to participate in positive ways of dealing with their hard new reality and to be open 
to what that illness and their new circumstances had to teach them. This is the shift from striving to surrender. And we heard it earlier in that poem from David White. It is Moses in the desert, fallen to his knees before the lit bush. It is the man throwing away his shoes as if to enter heaven and finding himself astonished, opened at last, fallen in love with solid ground. Isn't that the invitation of these days and of these lives we have been given? To fall in love with the solid ground right underneath our feet. To look inside ourselves and see that we are good enough already. That we have what we need. To understand that this moment and this day are gifts and miracles. To come to our senses and remember that we don't have to go anywhere or do anything to be in the presence of that which is holy and good. That it is right here. Right where we are. May this be our prayer for all that is our life. We give our thanks and our praise. So we do help to build the common good and make our own days glad. Amen.